All right, episode 83, welcome back. Uh, I wanted to start by saying I saw a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger this past week, and I was blown away. That dude still looks amazing. He's getting old, though. He's starting to definitely show his age, though. He's like 75. Yeah, so I wrote down he's 75, but, I, I mean, can you, I can't think of a better-looking 75-year-old man. There's just, he's still not, <laughs> he's still in good shape. Yeah, I mean, to be as in as good a shape as he is and to still have as good as health as he does for someone who took as much steroids as he did. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, that was kind of my, where I was going with this was like, you know, on one hand it's, Hey, here's what happens whenever you really take care of yourself and avoid all the bad stuff. But at the same time, there was a lot of bad stuff. It just wasn't processed foods. It was chemicals that go in your body. Yeah. And back then totally a lot more sketchy chemicals. Well, where I was kind of going is I, I think I think our bodies are going to age really, really quickly um, for the next like four generations because we eat so much crap. And I'm going to just I'm in this constant battle every time like I'm out shopping for groceries of trying to avoid anything from a box, anything from a can, anything that comes in a plastic wrapper. But like even most vegetables now come in plastic wrappers. And it's just so hard to avoid. Yeah, I mean. Definitely, I can say that since I'm in working at doctor's offices all the time now, it's amazing how different people can look at, like, the same age. Yeah. I have patients that are, like, 85 years old, and they look better than patients that are 55 years old. And it's, like, typically because they're, like, overweight. They haven't taken good care of themselves. The biggest thing to make you look older is you smoke. Oh, my goodness. If you smoke cigarettes, you look 20 years older than everybody else. It just degrades your entire body twice as fast. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. What were we talking about the other day? You were like, uh, the, what did I say? You, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, what was it? You're going to have to remind me. My brain memory is not the greatest. Yeah, and usually I just shoot you things. Okay, yeah, yeah. I said um, we were talking about the WeWork thing with Adam Newman, which we should probably talk about in general. Yeah, actually, let's start there, and then let's go into the, the, side, the little side quest that I had for that. So I can't believe this dude's not in prison. <laughs> I mean, he's right up there with the uh, Theranos people. I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Elizabeth Holmes was pretty bad, too. She just lied about everything. Um, God, I, I just, I'm blown. All right, so, like, the backstory for anyone who doesn't know is Adam Newman is the guy who did WeWork, who started WeWork, and if you've paid attention to that story at all, you know the whole thing was a giant sham. He basically lied to everyone and just Ponzi schemed his way out of it. And it was because he's tall, charismatic, and a bit psych, not a bit, he's, slightly more than a bit psychotic and people like that can usually just get away with stuff because they're like they think that they're right and i think that we get really stupid whenever we look at someone who like absolutely believes that they're correct and our human brains just can't process it we just we follow those people immediately but we shouldn't i mean he's (laughs) he walks around new york barefoot in new york does he really yes that's one of his funky character traits i have a fun story about him actually so we were meeting with a new potential client which it didn't end up happening and i'm not going to disclose any names or companies or whatever so i think i could talk about it uh so one of the guys one of the partners of this company um is seven feet tall he's a big man and i think he played college and basketball something like that so i don't know how it came up in conversation i think someone mentioned we work in some way as we were shooting the shit and he said oh i've got a fun story about that told us, hey, yeah, so like I'm seven foot, so pretty much everyone is shorter than I am, not a flex or anything, just part of the story. He said, 
they were working on a contract with the WeWork folks whenever it was first become whenever like the story first happened and they were still an up and coming company before all the, the things came out that they did. And Adam Newman's like six eight, six seven. He he's a very tall guy. And so my friend went and met him at one of the uh, one of the conferences and Adam refused to shake his hand because he was taller and he felt intimidated. And I was like, that's so weird. That's psychopath material right there. Oh, for sure. Nothing can be better than him. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't ever like that stuff, which is why I just dislike all politicians because they all act like they're right all the time. Dude, you have to. You have to have a God complex to think that you should be the person in charge of running a state, a country, anything like that. Or even a big company. Like, what is the statistic where it's like 2% of Americans are psychopaths, but 16% of CEOs? Yeah, it's going to be something like that. You got to be a little nuts. I mean, even so, like, we talk about Elon Musk all the time. He's definitely nuts. He has to be. But it's uh-huh. just not in a harmful For way. For sure. Yeah. It's not just like, it's not in a bad way. Well, maybe. <laughs> we don't know yet. It's getting there. It's getting there. For a while, it was like, oh. He seems like he's definitely got some psychopathic tendencies, but he's using them for good right now. This is all going well. It's all good. And now, like, he's, like, he's just inching into it more and more. I'm just waiting for the first press release with the black turtleneck. Oh, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the second you're wearing a black turtleneck, you're a Bond villain. <laughs> or Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. Or Well, you know, he probably did some stuff that still hasn't come out yet. Probably. We'll hear about it like 30 years from now. Yeah, it'll come out and it'll be he'll, Steve Jobs will get canceled after he's dead for 20 years. <laughs> that, right. That'll be the new trend of the future. We're not even canceling living people anymore. We're actively digging up dirt on people that are dead. Dude, you haven't that that's that's happening all the time now, like constantly. You don't heard about that? Not extensively. I don't have much time to pay attention to the news. I have to think, I have to get some good examples because this has happened pretty recently where there's a few, and it's typically like older male actors who, let's be honest, in the 40s and 50s, if you were in Hollywood and you were a dude, you were probably a misogynistic piece of shit. You probably just were. And that's because that was the trend at the time. That's how everyone acted. We weren't yet aware that it's probably not cool and maybe we should all treat everyone the same and we should all be nice people. So there's a whole bunch of people in our past and our history that were part of the film industry now that are being actively canceled because someone's like, I, this person did this. We got to hate him. We should never watch his movies or anything. And I'm like, I don't know, because, yes, you should never condone certain behavior and discrimination sucks. But at the same time, the dude's been dead for 80 years and maybe the movies are good. Like, why does it it's like it's OK, like whatever. Yeah, and it's awesome. I don't know. But, like, the medical field's doing a whole lot of that, too. It's just kind of quiet. Like, we used to have a whole lot of procedures and, like, techniques and, like, movements and instruments that were, had very German names. Oh. And, and and we've started progressively renaming things. <laughs> because they were used on human experimentation? Because the reason these procedures were named was after doctors that did human experimentation yeah. during the World War. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's... Uh, I don't know. So, I, all right. So that that that's kind of like when you name a park like Robert E. Lee Park, stuff like that, and you're like, ah, are we are we celebrating stuff like this? And I that, that was just a random example. I've got nothing actually against Robert E. Lee. I never I never met the man. I don't know the history well enough to be for or against anything. I just don't. But it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, maybe we maybe we should be careful about this. We can't forget history. We cannot forget history, or else you're just dooming yourself to do it again. 
but maybe we should maybe we should be careful about how we do it i think we should probably condemn like you know slavery that one's easy that one's really easy thankfully and and the people associated with it and you know like the holocaust and the people associated with it and human torture for medical reasons yeah like i think we should condemn all those so it's probably okay that we rename things from what they were i'm just i mean yeah the history will still be told in books we just don't need to put those people's names on plaques and statues and the rest of it probably not anything celebratory and i've gotten into this argument with a few people because everyone's gut re- it's a very emotional topic so everyone's gut reaction is like no 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 this is bad we must hate it we must tear it down and i said well wait a minute we have to be careful what we tear down because it's a slippery slope from going towards you tear down a park named after someone to all of a sudden you're tearing down the memorials that are celebrating the people that fought on our side to protect the good things because they were associated with something that we're not comfortable with and then all of a sudden, you've completely rewritten and erased history. Because we're, we're pretty much trying to rewrite our history right now. It's awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't swing either way when it comes to, like, overly upset about tearing things down or the person that wants to tear everything down, whatever. I, I don't have an opinion on it. I don't care. Do what you want to do. It doesn't affect me. If it really bothers you that much that there's a statue, fine. We'll get rid of the statue just to make people stop complaining. That's my opinion. I'd rather not have people complaining all the time. But, but. yeah, I agree. We should stop kind of like... We're doing this thing where we're kind of just, like you said, erasing history because it makes people upset and it has these very touchy points. But we're not discussing it as much. We're like trying to not have talk about it in schools as much with kids because it's so graphic or horrible but like that's the thing we have to expose people to these things that were graphic and horrible so that way they never happen again that's the whole point yeah i don't know i just so like my family has a has a fairly big air force background and so i know i like i've been to the memorial where you can see my grandfather's name on the on the like the the big plaque right there that says like hey these are the people that served on this mission who gave their lives in this war and did this thing and I'm just I'm just really worried a little bit that we go from removing only the bad things to removing everything. And I'm like, no, nah, I think those people do need to be remembered. We have to we have to remember what we give up in order to not do it again. Because I don't I do not I don't want to go to war. I have no effing desire to do anything like that. It's horrible. I don't think we're gonna start removing the good things. I think we're always gonna want to celebrate the good things. The thing is though that the winner always decides what is good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, winner, you're, you're right. The winner does record and choose the history. I agree with that. So what we record now as good and what we celebrate may not be what we're celebrating 50 years from now because we understand things a whole lot better than we previously did. That's true. Time travel doesn't exist yet, so we can't really tell. You think time travel will ever exist? I really hope not. I don't My think it's complicated enough as it is. Yeah, I don't think it'll exist in our lifetime. There's no way. No, there's no way. Like, even Elon Musk couldn't dream of that. We've got all right. So I was kind of thinking about this. I was like, we. I don't know when we really lost our big hairy goals. And I think I wrote this on the sheet, but I was just thinking about it all week. I'm like, man, like our political goals are so stupid nowadays. It's like it's someone comes on here and says, "I'm here to make sure we beat the other side," and you're like, "No, like I don't want to do that, dude. I want to go to space. Like I want to, I want to, I want to explore the Web three world. I want to figure this out. I want to integrate virtual reality into our work. I want to automate things. I want to go find out if there's life in the rest of the universe. Um, I don't know. I like. I want to do really cool things. If someone, if someone's platform was, hey, let's do awesome shit. 
that is someone I get by. That's a leader. Like JFK's thing, like we need to land a man on the moon in the next decade. That's a big, hairy goal. And guess what? We did it because America's awesome when we all stand together. I, I agree. I think, yeah, it's a major movement in our generation, especially that like, okay, we're, we're done dividing things, trying to have your piece of the pie, me different than you, all that type of things. We're like, okay, let's just like do cool things. Let's move forward. Let's make progress. But they're also doing it in really weird ways at the same time. So it's good when you see someone that's like actually doing something actively to make change and doing it in an ethical way. Yeah, it's a big part of it. I don't know. So like the money, the money is the incentive in our system. Money is how we measure what we value and what we're going towards. I think I asked you earlier the week in the week too. I said, hey, so if if we if like the people we always make fun of people coming in to like flip flip homes and house hack and all these stupid gimmicky ideas that only work if you're on TikTok and lying. I, you know, I guess they do work sometimes, but typically there's someone gets a really bad end of the stick. But what I was thinking was if you come in and you purchase, renovate and flip a 100-year-old home and you make it functional, like no one could live there before because it was broken. And even though you're doing something gimmicky and probably ripping someone off because they're not getting a great home, you've made that thing functional again. You've you've technically added back the value into the economy, right? And you kind of disagreed with me. I mean, I said yes-ish. I mean, because like I said, that like every time someone flips a home, the per the point of view from the person who's flipping it is they want to spend as least as little money as possible and get the most that they can in return. So they're going to go buy products that look exactly like the fancy things that look like they're high quality and put them in the house, make this house look like it's as fancy as possible, sell it to someone with them thinking it's fancy, and then that person be in it, live in it, find all the issues, things start breaking, things don't last, and the value withers away. So it's kind of artificial. I mean, the way I explained it to John when I was texting him, it's like, if I take a Corvette and I put a body kit on it that makes it look like a Ferrari and then I sell it to someone saying it's a Ferrari, that person's going to be pretty pissed and if <laughs> when they figure out that it's not a Ferrari and that it's a Corvette. I think the better example would be the MR2 Toyota with the Gallardo, the Lamborghini Gallardo body kit. Have you seen those? Looks just like yes. it. Yeah. It's kind of impressive. Yes, but it's impressive, and the people that do the houses just as impressive because they make them look just as fancy as the mansions. But when they find out it's the MR2 Toyota, they're going to be pretty pissed off. But it's still functional. Like someone can now live there. We're in a housing shortage. I'm trying to find ways to fix it, and we can't. Like we don't really have a lot of land near the big cities because we're really bad at planning stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the solution for the housing shortage is flipping houses, artificially driving up the price of that house with fake fancy things, and which drives up the price of the houses around it. I think the solution would be, you know, building more affordable houses in the first place. I mean, we got companies now that are 3D printing them out of concrete and all, which are pretty cool and they can withstand hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Density is such a hard problem. We have so many people packed into these cities now. Like Miami, you literally can't move. At least everyone I talk to down there says it's just become miserable the last two years. There's no way to drive. It takes you an hour to get anywhere. Packed full of people who are either from out of state or are, have lived there their whole lives and are very frustrated now. I just terrified that that's going to happen to every city in Florida and then it's going to spread 
outward to all the major city centers. But at the same time, I think there still is a pretty big appeal to living in like a way outside rural area. And I, I hope our generation kind of rediscovers that. Yeah, I think our main issue here in the U.S. is we built one city right. And I'm saying one, but you bear with me. I know there's other examples, but like New York is the ideal the grid. city for building a city. Yeah. There's also Chicago. There's a few others. But New York is ideal because people can live in the city. People can work in the city. People can walk to the grocery store to wherever else they need to do. It's totally walkable. Or And there's great transport everywhere. There's the metro, everything that you need. You don't have to own a car. You can spend your whole life without a car in New York City if you can afford to live there, which I realize isn't a thing. Right. But all the rest of our cities, we do the thing called urban sprawl, where like you build a city and then everybody lives in the suburbs an hour outside the city, and it's all flat. Everything's pretty much single story the whole way from the center of the city to the outside. There's only a few skyscrapers, and that's an issue. We need to build more vertically so that way we can pack the people in there and the businesses and everything else you need to live so that way we're not driving as far, we don't need cars, we can have public transportation that solves all the issues. It would be a whole lot better for the environment if we built up instead of out. Yeah, then you got to fix the roads and the drainage and all that and the support and then you got to have all the amenities. I don't. It's, city planning is the only thing that I've really actually learned in the last year and a half of my big boy job is that city planning is absolutely difficult no matter how you spend it. I mean, Europe did it fantastic in so many different ways, so I don't know how we managed to screw it up so many times here in the U.S. I do see a lot of those overviews, and I haven't spent enough time to Europe and to like actually have a view or an opinion on this, but I, I, I see a lot of those overviews that they show the European cities that are on perfect grids that all fit. I don't know how many mm-hmm. of those are real or how many of those are a little embellished maybe. Uh, or like the Danish towns that have the little tiny circular areas that everyone lives in, and they're all perfectly matched together so there's no wasted space it's just all green and happy they're all very real i mean spain has a lot of cities like that i think france does as well i'm sure germany figured something out man because you know they're german yeah but but it's all very real and those cities are very functional i mean you tend to live in an apartment over top uh, like a restaurant or a store or whatever else, all the apartments are above things. So that way you have all the amenities that you need and that type of thing, and you can live and walk everywhere. That's why New York works just the same is because it's a grid. I mean, everywhere else, I mean, you look at Jacksonville and it's a lumpy circle type thing yeah. formed by the interstate that goes around it. We don't make any <laughs> <It's> sense. Just, <laughs> and it's just terrible. Yeah, it's pretty poorly planned. Have you spent a lot of time in Europe? No, but I've paid a good so. amount of attention to like their design. I like their architectural design and how they plan cities because it works. We saw, I was at a, um, God, I was grabbing a drink after work at some point with another potential client and they, uh, it was, it was a, um, a Colombian, I think Brazilian Portuguese It's a Portuguese bar that we have nearby that just opened up a little sports bar. And so they had a, uh, they had a TV screen up. And it was basically just, it was like the Chive TV almost, where it's just like a continuous video going on that you'd see in a Miller's Ale house. But it was just someone walking through Lisbon, uh, Portugal. It was awesome. Like, it, like, I literally just, it just point of view camera, just walking through the city, getting to see everything. The way that that city is designed is so different from anything I've ever seen in the U.S. There are so many giant open courtyard areas that are beautiful. And 
the people all look really small, even at the point of view level. It's, it's crazy. It's just completely different, and it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. When, I don't know how they were able to plan these cities out so far in advance to last as long as they have and meet the needs of all the people, but somehow they did. Some crazy old architects like 500 years ago were like, hey, we do it this way. It's I Italian. Mean, it's not Portuguese. <laughs> but they still like for that to last and like to be able to meet. Like now we have semi trucks that have to go through the space to deliver goods and products and that type thing and cars and more people and a growing population. And it still grew to meet the needs. I mean, I know in Europe they have those little teeny tiny cars like they do in to get through the streets. And they all drive like Fiats and scooters, but probably better for the environment at least i would think so speaking of better for the environment and cars do you believe the dodge news i don't think i do i saw the rolling model the prototype or whatever of the now that was electric charger all right so for anyone that hasn't heard dodge so i swear to god they've been listening to us or there's been something happening it's too coincidental because we just talked about this and we always make fun of them and how they're never going to change and like two days after the last episode it came out and Dodge made this big countrywide announcement and said, hey, next year is the last year we're going to do the Challenger and the Charger, our two flagship muscle cars. Every year after that, we're switching to an electric, electric version of each. And it's our efforts to become an EV-only company. I 100% call bullshit. There's no way they get it done by the next year. End of next year. Would you see some of the other stuff that they were doing, though? Like, there, you can buy a fully carbon 1970s charger right now off them that's one of the things they're like to end the era we're going to allow you to buy the golden era of our cars right now and we're going to do it really really big that's kind of cool i don't know so ford does something similar with the mustang but they just they like pretty much just sell the labor out because we got charged cars that does that they take the 1969 uh, mustang fastback uh, body which they got the rights to there's a resto mod company that does it and they just gut it and they put whatever engine and transmission and everything you want in it or they do it electric Ooh, i haven't heard of them i have to look into that I, i'm obsessed with charge cars it's just the word charge c-h-a-r-g-e cars please go look it up i'll see if i can link it in the show i i actually posted a video today on my instagram that i saw of uh they were doing a lap around i think the nurburgring in one of the cars it's just really, really cool. And picture yourself driving what looks like a 69 Mustang uh, on the on the exterior. And then the interior is completely brand new, modern, refurbished, everything. You've got uh, all the high tech set up in the front. Um, what am I saying? The dashboard and all that. It, it, it's really cool. I wish we'd do more like that. It's kind of what we've been saying for a while. We've been saying this for forever that you just need to take the things that were done really really well gut out all the old parts of it keep the looks exactly how they were and just make it new what a gorgeous day put in the new electric stuff yeah yeah think about it you're driving to work every day in what feels like a piece of history but you get the excitement of accelerating to 60 miles an hour in like three and a half seconds and it's also you don't have the guilt of having to go fill up gas three times a week yeah, it, it just, it would be so simple if they just didn't listen to us. <laughs> yeah, it'd be too easy though, because they always, they end up listening to the other people that aren't car people and all the people who are doing the projections and they're like, hey, you know what the public wants? The public wants more SUVs that look like bugs. That's what they want. That's exactly There's, what they want. We need another 
crossover SUV, which is what Dodge also did. Did you see the Hornet? No, I haven't. Actually, oh, that rings a bell. I may have seen that a few months ago. So the Dodge Hornet used to be a muscle car, and they did a Ford, and they took the Dodge Hornet, and they're making it into an SUV. I'm looking it up right now. I'm curious. I think we did talk about this. Be prepared to be sad. This was released along with the other news the other day. Oh, that's awful. It just looks like it looks like a Porsche Cayenne and the Chevy Blazer had a baby. Uh-huh. I actually like the new Blazer. I think it looks really good. It's kind of a good tribute. Mm. You don't like it? No. It's tough. I don't know. It kind of looks like a uh it looks like a modern SUV Camaro, <laughs> which is already a stupid statement. <laughs> I feel like you started convincing yourself out of it when you started talking through it. I still think they look good. I, every time I see one on the road, I'm like, man, if I really just give up on life and have to get an SUV, yeah, I'm totally getting one of those. You realize what you had to say before buying it, though. You had to give up on life. Oh, yeah. You, have to, you get this car. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're buying an SUV in general, you've already screwed up or you have a family and you're doing great. One of the two. I don't know. I think there's some cool SUVs. That's not one of them, though. Okay. So what are the cool ones? Anything Hennessy touches. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. We don't all have 150 <laughs> grand on us. I don't know. I mean, there's some out there that just look a little bit better. They're a little bit crisper, but I think they need to stop trying to... They're either very mom cars or they try to make them really sporty SUV type things. And they just need to stick and make them beefy. They're, they're meant to be an SUV. It needs to be a beefy thing. I need to be able to fit four linebackers in this car comfortably. Yep. That's what I want it to look like. Yep. So I think Chevy's really got it down. I mean, the Tahoe's just killer for a small... I don't. It's not a small SUV, but it's not a huge SUV. But the Tahoe's a very good vehicle. And so are the Suburbans. I mean, the Explorer's not bad. They kind of... Like, the Americans have kind of nailed it. The European SUVs, I think, all look stupid. And the Japanese ones are meh. Yeah. I... I the foreign ones, they just don't... They're... I don't know. They're, like, they're the more sporty ones that are trying to be something that they're not. They're like, okay, we're taking a sedan, but giving you a little bit more room. That's all it is. I agree. So we got totally sidetracked. Where were we? I'm talking about the Adam Newman thing brought up something. Let me find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was talking about... Are we talking about... You mentioned it to me. And I said I'd never bet on anything that dude does. And which is true. I think once you really, really screw up as it, as big as that is, and as arrogantly as that is, I'm not willing to invest in your companies, no matter what you promise the returns to be. So A16Z, which is uh, Mark, God, what? Andreessen. Yep, Andreessen, who I've actually heard talk before. He was on Rogan several weeks ago, and I really, I think Mark's a very smart, kind of odd guy. God, I would love to meet him in person. He um he basically founded the internet. <laughs> you have to look look him up and look up his story if you ever have time. But he's pretty much the 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 father of the modern internet. So him and I think Al Gore founded the internet. Yeah, Al Gore will tell you that. But uh, Ben Ben <laughs> Ben Horowitz, I think, is the name of the other guy in the firm. Either way, so they run A16Z, which is a very successful venture capital firm, and has they're very focused on modern, forward-looking projects that are exciting, new, a lot of Web three stuff. And being someone who basically founded the internet when everyone told them that it wasn't going to be a thing ever, they've got a pretty good crystal ball into what people are going to like next. And I always value, I value the opinions of folks like that. I think they're able to see something that the rest of us just aren't able to comprehend. And typically they're correct about these things. 
So A16Z invested a boatload of money in Adam Newman's new real estate company. He's been buying up a bunch of rental properties and he's going to, I guess, try to dethrone Airbnb or Zillow or someone. I don't know what exactly he's trying to do, buying up rental properties at the height of the market, arguably the height. There's no real way to actually say that because who knows. Either way, my my sentiment, the reason we're all going through all this nonsense is my sentiment was everyone's smart until they're stupid, and yours was a little different. Everybody's stupid until proven smart. <laughs> yeah. And you said even then they can still have their smart card revoked. Um, I, <laughs> do you mind if I read your text? Sure. Go ahead. He said, I also like to think of it like you get one of those prize wheels with each, each section labeled smart or stupid, and you just got to spin it each morning you wake up. This was at 9 p.m., so this is when we're both kind of like done with the day and tired. Some people just have more smart or stupid tiles than others. I said, you can also increase your smart day bandwidth, which would be your chance of landing on smart by exercising, reading, eating healthy. And you said, exactly. Or decrease it by drugs, alcohol, nicotine, etc. I was like, yeah. I think that's a really fun way to look at it. Because I think of the days, like if I go out during the week um, and enjoy myself and have a good time, I wake up the next morning and the whole, pretty much the whole day just gets a little bit slower, dumber, and less motivated. But if you do all the right things, you're almost always guaranteed to have that good day and to be intelligent and prepared for it. I feel like we just, we just, we think we're super powered and that we can just push through it and we can, we can have the fun before and then we can still be smart and focused and kick ass the next day and it's just so hard we're just not evolved enough for it our bodies just aren't built to do that we have like when we do dumb things it takes more mental or physical power to like process that type stuff your liver has to process all of that alcohol that takes energy your brain is fogged up it's dealing with the consequences of it because when you drink toxins build up your blood that's what gets you drunk but you have to deal with that. And so the next day, like I know as a student, I don't think anywhere close to as good as I normally would after I've had a night of drinking the night before, even if it's just a small amount. So I know when I have to do things, I don't drink. Right. I don't know. I just think about when like, I I feel like younger kids, when I say younger kids, I mean ages 18 to 22, which is probably, I'm only 25, so whatever. But I'm talking about those age groups. I think they just don't, aren't willing to understand that and we i think so where i'm going with this is social media has really really screwed this one up and on top of that advertising has really screwed it up because we're just constantly exposed to seeing people do awesome things all the time even after and during having fun the movie and entertainment industry messes with this because it sets all these expectations and it's just a little annoying because I'm sitting here thinking, God, we would just be so productive as a species if we could get away from these silly ideas that are holding us back. Oh, 100%. But there's no way we're going to get away from those things. No, I don't think so either. Either way, uh, did, we, did we talk about the IRS? <laughs> no, we probably should, though. Uh, I guess it's just worth mentioning. They hired 87,000 more full-time workers, and I just it just blows me away that we're I don't so I don't I don't know what to say about it. It's it's frustrating for me because I look at it and I'm like how how have we have we still not figured out that this is the most this is the most painful, brutal in your face waste of energy, capital, and incentive that anyone could have ever done. You've got you just took eighty seven thousand people effectively out of the workforce because all they're doing is 
taking away productivity from other people, just slowing them down and auditing and fixing things that didn't probably need to be fixed in the first place. Sure, you're going to catch a few people who were lying about it, but did that really help or hurt anything? If we would just destroy TurboTax early <laughs> on. Yeah, probably. That's what I'll use my time machine for. Just go and find find the find the person who started Turbo TurboTax, find them when they're like six and just push them off a cliff. Yeah, throw them in a garbage bag, tie it off, connect it to the back of your car's exhaust, something like that. That's horrible. <laughs> Look, man, they're gonna make us forced to do our own taxes for generations afterwards they probably deserve it they're a terrible person yeah i don't know it's just goofy to me it's like the whole tax thing's a fun it's always a fun conversation to have because people say no that means more money will go to the the people who are making the decisions and could fix the infrastructure and i'm like well i don't think you understand one where your money's going and two how money actually works in the first place money's not a magical thing it's there's nothing really behind it it's just incentive that's all it is it's a way of getting people to work on things that we need to be working on. Right now, having a whole bunch of people working on taxes and accounting and banking is not helping anyone. God, it is not helping anyone. We're not producing anything through that. Nope. And I don't understand why we haven't fixed it. I mean, there's plenty of reasons why there's so much other systemic issues that we haven't fixed in the U.S. because we've done them forever. But, like, other countries have, like, really figured out the whole tax thing and they just kind of send you the bill <laughs> that it's paid. And you don't got to worry about it. Why we have to go through and spend however much money for TurboTax or uh, HBO or H&R Block or whatever else every year. It's ridiculous. So I don't know what the actual solution is because I don't have all the answers. I just know that simplicity is great. And I think we need to really teach everyone how the heck money actually works and what the heck it is. And maybe start when we're like six years old and not try when we're 22. That's probably a really smart idea. <laughs> I saw a great meme. It was, um, it was like, I think the title was like, uh, it was like business accounting 101 or something like that, or like finance class. It said finance class at 2045. And it was, a, it was like lesson six, meme stocks. <laughs> and all the different things oh. that we'd see. And I was like, no, we're broken. <laughs> it's like, we've ruined everything. <laughs> so do you... Do you know what's going on with Bed Bath Beyond right now? Because no, I have no clue, but I, I know there's so much people chatting on it. Dude, I just stay away from it. We, I mean, you know, Cody and I pretty much just, we coded an algorithm that acts on this stuff. And whenever people mention it a lot, we, so we built something really cool. And we built an algorithm that scans Reddit and it takes all the statements from what people are saying in any given time period. And we usually measure like a day out. And it'll take everything everyone says about all the different companies. It'll take the, the, I think the five most mentioned companies and then start classifying if a sentiment, if a statement is a positive, negative, or neutral sentiment and compiles all that data. And then what it does is the five companies that had the most positive news about it, like the most, well, not positive news, the most people who were saying positive things about it been trying to incite movement on it we bet against that and all the negative ones we bet on guess what our returns were in eight months i don't want to know you made an inverse kramer index of reddit yeah we basically said everyone's an everyone's an idiot and people who act like they know what they're doing don't actually know what they're doing and you shouldn't trust them you should only make informed financial decisions based on your own 
responsible investing. And actually what you should just do is just buy the SP 500 and just put money into it and focus your life on working hard and setting things up and being smart and inventing things. Either way, it returned 144% in eight months. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I was, I was thrilled to get that data back. Uh, that is so fantastic, but also so depressing that so much of our population, at least on Reddit, is absolutely idiots. I don't think they're idiots. I think people just get really excited about stuff and like excitement is really infectious. So I think the, the positive spin zone here is it's man, it's really easy to get everyone excited about something. That's that's cool. That's cool as a blanket statement. The downside is that it's usually people trying to scam others. So let me look at the unusual whales. I want to see. I don't know what the inverse Kramer index is at right now, but I think it was doing really good last time I checked. Out of curiosity, did you run a a scenario if y'all had bought into all of the trends that people were hyping up to see how much returns you'd have on that? I think it was like negative 42. I can't remember exactly, but it did not win very well. So you've got like a 200% difference between following the herd and doing your own thing. I can't remember because there was some difference between the two and I could be misquoting. Either or, it's always a fun experiment. And I think... I like I, I follow a couple like in unusual whales and a few others that track these things. But unusual whales is interesting to me. It's a Twitter page that has evolved into a website and a company. What they do, what they used to do specifically, they do more now, is they would get the reports, they would data mine and get the reports from what the politicians were trading because they have to they legally have to, even though even though a lot of them still don't, which sucks. But they have to legally report what they're going to be trading before they do so that they can't cheat and act on it, even though, again, they still do. And so they data mine, get all this information, and then report it to the public and say, hey, look, um, XYZ politician just bought a $50 million or some, like, enter, enter any absurd amount of money into this company, and there's a vote on what to do in that company's industry tomorrow night. Um, and everyone kind of looks at it and is like, oh, this is pretty clearly, well, like, we know what to do here. And so everyone gets to act on it. And it all comes out and it's finally all getting exposed. And I think it's really nice. Yeah, I love seeing it where it's someone who rhymes with Randy Belochi. <laughs> yeah, she's awful. <laughs> ma- makes a huge buy. And the next day uh, you find out that a company is being acquired and you're like, oh, no insider trading there. We got Martha Stewart for insider trading, but for some reason, man, if you put Senator or something else behind your name, can't be taken down no matter what. It is curious, though. So, I mean, I see a lot of people who, I guess more and more, our generation's totally obsessed with, they want to live, they want to, like, become financially free as quick as possible, right? Yes. Financially free is just meaning that you have some sort of investment set up that return money to you on a monthly or biannually basis that allows you to live the lifestyle you want without having to actually do anything. And so real estate is interesting because that's what a lot of people think is the way to go. They're like, okay, yeah, we're just going to buy a bunch of real estate and people will pay me. Well, it's a lot more involved than people believe it to be. And the funniest, just like the funniest interaction I ever see on social media is when someone says, buy my $4,000 course, I'll teach you how to flip houses and acquire uh, real estate and just create your passive income. 
and people pay them that four thousand dollars and i'm like wait can you guys not see like you're you're funding his his passive income like you you are his source he's not going to teach you anything <laughs> he doesn't do this he, he he sells courses he doesn't flip real estate <laughs> People smart enough to do something do that thing. They I, don't teach about it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Good investors don't sell investment advice. If you've got enough time to teach a course, you're not doing something right. Yeah. You would be raking in the cash, doing whatever else you could do because the course is going to bring you less money than doing whatever it is. I agree. I agree. It's always kind of fun. I don't know. I wish I, my biggest dream is like the next generation. I want their dream job to be inventor. I think we could, it would be great if people could all find the financial independence to actually spend time being entrepreneurs, creating things that improve their lives. Because as we mentioned last time, just about every problem that you have or thought or belief or whatever else, someone else out there has that same issue. Yeah. And even just solving it for a small amount of people, fantastic. That's someone else's life improved. Well, even then, if you go even more specific than that, like the the issues that you will run into and that you'll have in your industry, the medical industry, are gonna be very different from anyone who works in like and the engineering industry. And so, if you can, if you can find a way to take to like really hammer down on a problem and take that leap because you have the specific knowledge needed for it, you've got a giant head start above anyone else who would just start from scratch. Like I could not solve anything in the medical industry because I don't understand it, and I couldn't either at this point, but. There's also plenty of things that like I couldn't solve stuff in the engineering world, but I could have a problem and I could know I need to fix it and I can go find me someone who knows how to like do the engineering things and help me fix it and we'll create this together. That's how it works nowadays. It's not like I'm creating a whole company doing the everything from it, from the marketing to the product tr creation to testing to everything else. Now it's like you got to surround yourself around you with the people that know how to do these things. You just need someone with a good idea and the people to help make it happen. Do you think there's like a curve of experience to, well, I guess experience and salary to risk aversion? Because like what I mean is the further you get into your career, the more you know, and theoretically the more you could do if you set out on your own to solve a specific problem. But the further you go, also the more you get paid and then you have kids and then you get married and you've got all these things you have to take care of and you just you, your risk aversion goes up because you can't take those risks even though you're probably the best person best suited person to set out on your own to solve these problems right that's why we want to get financial independence early as possible so that way you can be retired spend the time while your brain still functions and you don't have alzheimer's create good products improve the world we think when you're probably like 30, 35, I would think, is when like you've, you've got enough time under your belt to where you kind of see how the world works. You've got some connections established. You know a lot of people, and you're not totally locked down yet, probably. I don't know. I, a lot of my friends are currently getting married and having their second and third children. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that is too late for a lot of people, but... Doesn't, doesn't seem like it. No, yeah, I mean, you figure at 35, most people are already done having kids. Probably. Women are at least. You're not going to have kids after 35 typically. Yeah. There's too many issues. Okay, I don't, I don't need to know but, too much more about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. I figure like 
you probably had the most ability and knowledge in your late 20s, early 30s to like get these things done. But again, it's that like we've talked about the Dunning-Kruger curve before. Yeah. You're at the peak of Mount Stupid right there. Like you've got enough knowledge to think that you know everything, but also not enough knowledge to know that you know nothing. Well, and the further along you go, you probably realize how little you know. And then you're you're probably less confident to start on your own. You say, oh, I... I now know how little I know, and I'm not the person for this, even though you are the perfect person for it. All right. So what you got to do is you got to get that young, confident 30-year-old to go snatch him up, that 60-year-old dude with all the knowledge, and y'all build the company together. You got someone with an idea and a dream and another person with a know-how, and that's how you get things done. You got to convince the you got to convince the person that's in the prime of their career, not prime, like in the, the back a half of their career who's making all the money you have to convince them to leave that when they're totally in their groove that I think is the hardest part yeah especially on the dream of a 30 year old they're like <laughs> right. you know nothing why yeah. would I Why would I leave my comfy salary and everything else that's going on to do whatever you're doing they're going to think they're arrogant and don't know anything and they're probably going to look back and say hey you're about to make a mistake that I already know that you shouldn't do and they're going to say, well, come help me. I'm like, nah, like, you're just going to keep making those mistakes. It's a waste of my time. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I think you, there's a certain period where you could do things where you don't have to quit and stop everything else that you're currently doing and pivot over to this new company. I mean, obviously, you could do it part-time. So many companies are built in a garage, a basement, whatever else, that like on weekends, see how it goes, see if the problem starts being solved. If not, then you still have your other job to fall back onto. It's not like you have to just decide and leave from day one. Right. You have your most energy when you're young, too. So if you're early in your career, you probably have the most time then, too. So if you're early in your career and you can moonlight and do your side projects on that, then that's probably the best time to do it. And I've had that, I've, I've had that conversation with so many people who are like, man, I can't believe I'm stuck doing this. I'm like, well, what do you actually want to do? And they're like, oh, I actually want to do this. And I'm like, hey, you have the internet. Like, go learn about that. And like, no, I'm so tired after work. And I'm like, okay, you don't actually want it enough. Go do it or don't do it. Whatever. I don't, no skin off my back. Yeah. I mean, we have the most energy. We got, like, if we wanted to, we could survive on five, six hours a night of sleep and still function very well during the day. And, do that on the side figure out learn about what we need to and like start building the side career to become our main career whatever it is but people don't want to do that people most often don't want to put in the extra effort right i don't know i think about all the college kids there's a lot like in college i think is the biggest time nowadays because we are like we grew up with internet access basically and the generation below us has had it their whole lives and so the kids that are all in college now are all starting side hustles. Every single one of them is doing something and trying to build a business while they do it. Most of them are generic, most of them are gonna fail, and most of them aren't very inspired. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that there's more people doing it. If you throw enough of those flies against the wall, something's gonna stick. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think it's good that they're doing that, even if they're just being a dumb little Forex trader trying to make a company out of that in college. Because you're gonna learn. If they're going to learn, they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to make mistakes when it's they're still able to do it. It's better for you to make a mistake at 20 years old playing with a couple thousands of dollars than being 40 playing with $100,000. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. But or when you have a whole career that you're playing around with. And when you're and when you're like further along taking that couple thousand dollars to make that little investment and start it 
is probably less appealing as well because it, it's impossible for you to see the outsized reward. Like you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, my 5K is gonna turn into 25, but I make 300 a year. What do I do? Like, why would I even waste my time with that? I mean, obviously what you don't see is that it's, exp it's possible potential exponential growth and you get to chase something that actually makes you happy. Right, yeah. I don't know. So, all right, you had a good point, though, because I kind of feel like we have a lot of really negative things to say about the people who just try to make their living exchanging securities for higher amounts of money, day trading, as you call it. But I think there is a positive spin to that as well, and that is you learn. Is it, like The more people we have doing that, I think the more we're going to learn that that doesn't actually produce anything for society at all. In fact, it takes away because that means that you're not actually working on anything that's helping anyone. Your entire goal and your entire existence is how do I give someone else the worst end of the deal and how do I take advantage of that? That's, that's literally it and it's terrible and it takes away. But the more people we have doing that, I think the more are going to realize that it doesn't produce anything and then find the truth of business, entrepreneurship and money, which is, hey, you have to actually actively improve lives and create things that improve lives in order to make the value that you want to be free. I think we're getting there. I think people are starting to learn. Like, I think we shame those people enough that do the day trading that everybody else is like, okay, we need to do something to benefit society. My question to you is though, John, what were the Forex traders of the past? Like our parents' generation, what do you think those people were for them back in college. Those were the, um, oh gosh, what did they call them? The stockbrokers. It, it was literally, it was the guys who got hired out of college and they gave them a phone book and was like, hey, go sell stocks to like everyone in your family. I, I thought it was either them or it was gonna be people that go like door to door selling Cutco or vacuum cleaners or Tupperware. Yeah, that too. It's one of those. There's definitely a class of people and I have, I actually have a shitload of respect for these people. There, there is a an actual class that is probably the bottom of our generation, the top of the ones below us, and some a bunch of the millennials that do have the capacity to just straight up go door to door sales and to cold call all day and do those things. I've got mad respect for those people because I can't do that. I, I that just sounds one inefficient, which my brain can't do because it's just it's a waste of everyone's time. Both parties, ninety percent of the time, are hurting, and it's also kind of just brutal because you're like, what the heck am I doing? But People who can do that have such a great place in society because if you can take their absolute persistence and their ability to have no fear and just do whatever the hell they're told and dedicate that towards a really productive source, that is a superpower. That is a that is a giant exponential gain for everyone. Put them on an entrepreneurship team. They take a product, they try it out. That doesn't work. Modify it a little bit. Repeat again. It's the same thing with like cold calling. Yep. You try it with one call method. Oh, that doesn't ever really get anybody. So you kind of modify how you talk to people over and over again until you find something that works. And sales is such an odd, outdated industry to me because we have like sales is never going to go away because people who can sell are always going to find money. But the majority of sales is it's not. It used to be how do we convince someone to give us money in exchange for our product. Now it's sort of, how do I uncover the problems that people are actually having? Like we've, almost, we've modernized this old industry and we're almost out of the dark ages of it. It's almost into this beautiful new age where sales is no longer, how do I get this person to bite? It's how do I uncover what they need solving in their life? And can we change our product to fix that problem in the first place? 100%, that's what 
my fiance Erica does all day long when she sells bridal dresses. It's not like, okay, how do I get them to buy this product? It's like, okay, what does this person really want? Yep. What product's going to fit them best? How can I modify the current things that I have to meet their needs? Yep. Yeah, which is how it kind of should be. And I, I, I'm just, I'm really excited for, I guess, our generation to not, not, not necessarily take over, but have a little bit more power and say in that. Because I think we all really understand that. I think it's pretty clear that it's a waste of time if you're just trying to change minds. Nobody's mind actually gets changed, ever. I'm also terrified for our generation going forward because Why? I feel like... We're in great shape. The, 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 there's like, I, I'm sure the last generation, the boomers or whatever, they thought the same thing when they were getting into Congress and doing all the things, getting into power, they could do this stuff. And somewhere along the way, it just went bad. And I feel like that's going to happen to us just the same. Our generation thinks we're going to solve all these problems. And then they're all going to get in there and they're going to get lobbied by Coke and all the other big and Disney and everything else. And it's just going to be the same thing as always. Well, those influences will never go away. But I, and I think the way that I think the way that we're raised as a whole society has changed. I think it, I think it's going to continue to change and evolve if only because we have the Internet and we have total transparency like it used. I don't I, I mean, I can't speak because I get out of time machine, but. I got to tell you, nowadays, if you hit your kid and someone gets it on camera, you're going to have people yelling down your throat. Whether or not you think that's a good thing, I don't care and I don't know because I don't have a kid and it's not for me to tell anyone how to treat their kids. But point is, there is this just massive emphasis on we need to make sure everyone is included and loved and enjoyed. And uh, I got to tell you, if you discriminate against someone in public nowadays, I don't care what you think the current power dynamic is, you're going to lose. You're going to lose every single time and you're going to get destroyed. The question to you, though, is, John, are you ready for influencers to become politicians? I don't think we're a far stretch from Logan and Jake Paul (laughs) being in Congress. They always have been. Influencers are just the next evolution of politicians. That's all they are. Oh, I agree. And I don't think they've really branched over quite yet. They're doing quite happily with their streaming and all YouTube videos, that type stuff. The next step is them getting into politics. And I'm not sure I'm comfortable enough for it. Well, I mean, because yeah, go ahead. For like, typically the youth doesn't vote. So it's not an issue. All these people that are making these dumb videos, everything else, that type thing is not a problem. But now we've gotten older technology's evolved along with us the influencers are getting older along with us and we're now sticking behind them type thing we've had some of these people that have been around since our childhood still making videos and all so i feel like as we get older and our generation starts voting more we're going to vote in some of these stupid influencers into like positions of power Maybe that isn't as bad as you think. Maybe a lot of people are faking their stupidity and they're actually very intelligent humans and they just, they put on the face because they know that's what gets views. That's, I mean, I think that's the best possible case. I would really like to think that people fake stupidity (laughs) as much as I see stupidity. Yeah. I really would, I don't know. I think people get lucky and (laughs) that's how they get to where they're at i don't think they're faking stupidity and they're really smart they think that their stupidity will get them to where they're at i definitely think that the majority of people who are like the first to do something they do get lucky it is a dice roll it's it's hey like we i just did this because i enjoyed it and i wanted to publicize it and then all of a sudden we've you you discover an audience that wasn't necessarily there in the past maybe it was there it was just hidden 
it's luck and persistence. That's all it is. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I mean, everyone everyone who's been successful in the entrepreneurship and business world says that too. They say, hey, you need to like work your ass off your entire life. And also you do need to get a little, a little bit lucky, but luck can be created from that hard work and also being passionate about something. Oh, I agree. And 100%. not stepping on the landmines. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're probably probably getting to our point. I uh, that's about all I had actually. It's been a really long week. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's been crazy. Dude, I got two brain cells left, and they are not even trying to rub together. I can't think for anything, and I got an exam tomorrow, so life is oh, it's coming at me fast. Dude, I understand completely. All right, let's probably wrap it up then, and then maybe next week we'll have a we'll have a nice upbeat, fun show, with lots of stuff going on, lots of energy. I'll see if I can get someone on, but who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah. It's hard doing everything all at once all the time. We we need to everybody that listens. I need you to message, call, or text <laughs> Joey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what form of contact you have. He's on Twitter, probably on Facebook and Instagram. I want you to friend him. I want you to send him a message. I want you to let him know that Matt said to get his ass on the podcast because it's been too long and I'm ADHD. So sometimes I can't follow along with John's monologues. So I need another person here to help me out. Sorry. <laughs> I try my it's best. It's your fault. It's mine. <laughs> uh, whatever you say. All right. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week.